1: This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Mark Davenport. Thanks for being on the show, Mark. Thank you for having me. Mark and his partner Phoebe sold their single family house 5 years ago and have been on a real estate investment journey since moving from duplexes and 60 units to most recently a 12 story tower block. It's been a fascinating journey so far he says. So Mark, thank you for being on the show. I'm looking forward to hearing more about your journey and you know some things we were talking about before the show and just like how you've been aggressive to scale and being willing to take risk and you know being willingness to take that next step. I think it's just so crucial that we hear those things when we're getting started in this business, and we understand we can't do it. It's difficult. It is not easy to be willing to take the risk and to take the next step. I'm looking forward to hearing how you have done that. But give us a little more about who you are. Uh, you know what you're doing in real estate, and then you know I want you to help us and the listener to be you know willing to take that next step as well.
0: Cool. Yeah. So uh, my partner Phoebe and I. Well, I'll start with me. I guess I'm British. I was born and raised in England, but moved to the U.S. to get married. Phoebe and I are married. And we kind of found our way to real estate. I was a professional musician for the, you know, in my earlier years. What did you um, play? Drums mainly, but I I found my way to bass and guitar eventually. So the drums are still set up over here. I still love to play, but professionally it's not. I found other ways to to kind of get what I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, I mean, we, you know, did the thing of like bought a single family house and renovated it and then went through some kind of life changes after living overseas for a while and we were looking at the single family home that, that we owned and it was a nice house at that point we'd renovated it and we were like ah you know we could work the next 30 years to kind of pay a mortgage but you know it, it wasn't something that really appealed to us so we decided to try a different thing we sold it and invested in a duplex there was a foreclosure and renovated it placed a, a tenant upstairs lived downstairs and we kind of uh began hustling, I think, in terms of real estate.
1: Nice. Okay. So, you know, what was it about real that drew you to real estate, though? You know, you're a professional musician. It's not easy to gain that status, I don't think. That took a lot of work and practice. And most of the listeners probably don't know that I'm a drummer as well, but never professional... <laughs> Are you a drummer? Yeah, I, I love playing and I've played for a long time, but at church and with different little groups and stuff, but never at a professional level. So that's so interesting. Uh, I love something, it. Something the listeners probably did not know. But Mark, you know, tell me a little about what, what was it about real estate? I mean, why, you know, transition to real estate, you know, from being a professional musician? And what do you see, you know, what's your, I guess, uh, vision for that, you know, in the future?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, as a musician, I was working... And earning money, you know, earning an hourly rate, like either playing in bands or teaching. Most of what I did was teaching, and yeah, I was doing fine. It was doing okay. But Phoebe and I, we started to have kids, and you know, it was like, ah, uh, this isn't quite what I want. Wanted passive income. We were in the process of renovating our single family house, and I loved it, like installing oak floors, and we did some remodeling and and um, taking out, you know, a supporting wall in order to rearrange the space and. I just loved it. It was so much fun. So it wasn't really that I decided to get into real estate. It was like, oh, I enjoy doing projects. And oh, if we sell our single family house, we can get a duplex and the upstairs rent pays the mortgage. We live rent free. Oh, that's cool. And I love to renovate. So I guess we'll just do it that way. And how it's worked for us always is it only becomes clear what we've done after we've done it. Like we never, like, it's not like, oh yes, Whitney, I have a master plan. Here is my four steps. Like after the fact, it's like, oh... Oh, there was some strategy there, and yeah, you know there were some really significant things we did, and there was a plan, but in the moment it's like kind of organic, you know, so it just kind of developed that way, and then you know, as we did more deals and got bigger properties, it's like, okay, I'm loving this process more it's not just the renovation I love, I enjoy working with tenants, I like the underwriting that's it's interesting networking, meeting people, and so I just discovered, hey, there's other parts of this that I really love too, and now I guess because I've discovered all these different things, I'm comfortable saying I love real estate. But at the beginning it was just, oh, I like swinging a hammer and I wanna live rent free. So (laughs) that was what it was.
1: I think it's pretty well said. And you're talking about, you know, there wasn't this like amazing four-step plan or whatever, you know, that just pushed you in that direction because I, think a lot of people, and I think we all are there at some points. like you expect to have this amazing plan. And if you're never willing to take the next step, even though you don't have this amazing plan in place, like you're, you're never going to get there. It, you know, you're never going to get to that point where it's like, okay, like you said, I mean, you know, we, oh, here's the amazing plan. Let's get started. Well, no, you know, you do have to have some faith in yourself and just your ability to keep pushing forward. You do have to have a plan of some kind, but it's never going to be this amazing thing that you're probably dreaming of in your head. You know. Mark, can you speak to just like aggressively scaling you know, and being willing to take risk? I
0: mean, what that looked like for you? Yeah. So we were living in Brooklyn, New York at the time and we had developed a duplex and a fourplex in New Hampshire. And then we relocated to Brooklyn, New York and the properties were cash flowing. We'd renovated them pretty much top to bottom. Tenants were great. It was a really good in many ways, a really great situation. And then I read a book about Elon Musk and I had this epiphany and I was so impressed with just one part of him. There's probably a lot to be said about many parts of him, but I was impressed with one part of it, which was like, he wasn't nostalgic about the companies he'd started. He was always looking for the next thing and happy to surrender his kind of current position or his current company back in the early days in order to get something new. And I was just like, oh man, these properties we have, they're doing so well, but you know what? They're now worth so much more than what we purchased them for. And all that equity is sitting in the house doing something because the property is cash flowing. But man, if we could reinvest that equity and have the same success that we had with those initial properties at the next level, man, we'd be scaling. So we just decided, ah, oh, we'll put one of them on the market. We have nothing to lose. It's already cash flowing. And we'll see if we can get out what we want and then Of course, it sold. Then the other one sold as well, and then we, you know, bought two six units and a three unit. So we went from six to I don't know what is that fifteen, and in the course of like six months, eight months. So the key for being aggressive for me was, you know, appreciating the past, enjoying it, seeing it for a good. You know, if you've developed a situation, you are now in a better situation. But then also seeing, well, if I cash this in, I can make plays from here on out, and I can kind of go to the next level. So. That's kind of what we did that with that particular thing. Then we did it again with those 15 units in New Hampshire. We did another property in the process. But anyway, we had this portfolio in New Hampshire. And when we moved to Kansas City, which is where we are now, it was like, well, we have this New Hampshire portfolio and it's doing great again because it's all cash flowing, no problem. But again, like if you take the equity that's in it and sell it and you're able to realize that and get that money out. And then reinvest at the same level as you did before, and then you jump. And so we did it. We bought a 12 story tower block and just acquired a, another six story one. So it's now 109 units. But really, it's just the idea of oh, you know, you do one thing, you do what you have on your heart to do, I guess, or whatever. And then once you've done that, it's like, cool, that was great. All right, what's next?
1: Nice. Now you're at 109 units. Is that what yeah. you said? Yeah, congratulations. Just being willing to take that step. Most people aren't, or you know, they just never will take that step. And I would just encourage the listener right now just to listen to Mark's story, you know, and just realizing, wait a minute, you know, there's a big opportunity here. And man, you took that step. What about just getting your wife or Phoebe on board as well? Or was she just gung ho about this decision and moving into real estate and
0: taking these risks as well? I don't get how I'm bored with anything. I mean, that's just not the <laughs> that's just not the dynamic of our relationship at all. In fact I think probably it'd be better for her to be interviewed and then be asked, how did you get marketable? <laughs> that's, that's probably like the better way for that to go. But I mean, all, from day one, it was like a, a joint thing. You know, we make decisions together. She shapes me, I shape her. Initially, it was more kind of me, like, because there was so much renovation initially with the duplex and the fourplex and even the six, it was more kind of me hands on doing that. So much of our growth was tied to the physical improvement of the property and how we decided to do that was leverage my time to do it. But now that things have grown, she does so many different things. Like she's so, no, I didn't I didn't get her on board, fella. It wasn't <laughs> to go down that way. <laughs> well, tell me about the
1: purchasing of this twelve story, you know, block. You know, tell me a little about that deal and how you moved. In. I mean, how do you purchase that? You know, coming from smaller properties, you know, to getting into that.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's a whole story there. I mean, it was February this year. <laughs> February this year, you know, we'd sold our New Hampshire stuff and we use a 1031 exchange to do that, to defer the capital gains. So the resources are there and we're like, ah, okay, what can we do? And saw this building on the MLS on realtor.com and I was like, wow, how is it even possible that you can kind of get a project like this? And so we just, it's in a town a couple of hours away from where we are. So we drove in, saw the property, we're like, this is exactly what we want. This exactly represents scale, opportunity to renovate, to improve management. It's in a kind of a not a small town, but you know, a town with a population of about 40,000. So, we're very familiar with working in those types of towns. That's where we worked in New Hampshire, and it was just a wild ride. It continues to be a wild ride, really, because I reached out to all the banks in the area to see if they'll you know, finance the deal. Of course, COVID is kicking off at this point, also. A couple of the banks were up for it, and one bank in particular was really keen, so we ended up working with them to underwrite it. The seller was an interesting character you know there's lots of stories in like the property as to why it's in this position and uh, yeah, we closed the deal we got it done, and it was a wild ride though it was it really was a crazy journey.
1: What were a couple of things that you learned through that process? I mean, whether it was
0: you know working with the bank or working
1: with the seller or just closing a project of that size
0: yeah so For me, most of the stuff I learned, most of the significant things they're all internal things. It's all me learning to not let my fear motivate my actions, or learning not to be anxious about a situation. So the biggest thing for me was like walking into a bank or talking with a commercial lender and just being confident and allowing and presenting myself to them and seeing that as a legitimate thing because it's all internal for me. And that's, I think that's one of the reasons why I love to scale is because I'm also improving myself because I am kind of afraid now of a 200-unit building. Or maybe I'm not, but that's only because I've done so many of them that I've learned to handle my fears in terms of properties. But it's all internal. It's the anxiety. It's like, oh, what if this happens? You know, what if all the tenants leave? What if I can't underwrite it? What if, you know... There's just so many, you know, the mind can be like this fear factory. And it's like, how do you get a grip on that and, you know, choose to live a different way? So for me, it's all self-management. I guess there's probably some other things as well, but like the bigger things are all internal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm glad you said that. Like the bigger things are internal. And I've said this numerous times on the show that, you know, people think that I or our team have some big, like magical gift or extreme knowledge from the beginning about whatever, you know, about commercial real estate or multifamily. And I just think more than anything, it's just the willingness to keep going, keep learning, you know, keep pushing forward. You know, I think anyone listening can do what we've done, what you've done. But the hardest part is that mental part, like you're talking about from the very beginning and learning. I, I love. You said you learned how not to let your fear motivate your actions. So important, so important that you can learn to think clearly in a time where most people are fearful. You know, it's such a good skill. So, how did you finance that, and why was that lender so interested in in this project?
0: So, it. I had the idea that we would approach local lenders because it's a local situation. You know, there are obviously banks that are much bigger, have a even a footprint across the whole U.S., but. We were like, this is a property that is managed, has been managed a certain way. It needs optimization, it needs renovation, it needs lots of the vacancies filled. Like the local banks have a stake in this. Like, surely there are some local banks who have a vision to see this building and the downtown actually, because this is the biggest building in the city, like thrive again. And so that was kind of what it was. It was a bank that the lady who I um I met with that we still work with because they're financing other projects we have. I think she got. There was a meeting of vision, I guess, and like the numbers worked. Like we came in with our down payment, and everything. Like all that stuff is still. You have to kind of tick your boxes, but at the end of the day, I think they were willing to go with us because of the vision. And they and I'm that to me is incredibly profound because I'm just driving. We're just driving into this city. We don't know anyone. Mm-hmm. Never been there before, but we have a history of developing some real estate. Yes, smaller projects. And they've taken a risk with us by doing that. But I, my guess is, I mean, you'd, you'd have to talk to her, but my guess is that they saw the vision and wanted that for their town.
1: Nice. I just think it's incredible. You know, just talking about you painted it, you really ultimately you painted a vision for them and they could see that vision, wanted it for their town. I think it's incredible. Mark, what's been the hardest part of this journey to, you know, commercial real estate, you know, and purchasing something like this, you know, whether it was something in the beginning or something in that deal specifically, what's been the hardest part for you and Phoebe?
0: So that particular deal was super sweet. We didn't contract until we'd done all of our due diligence. We'd inspected the building. We'd gotten a loan commitment. So we had no agreement with the seller. seller. We'd done everything, which was risky. Like typically, I mean, you know, the contract and then you do your inspections and everything. You know, you start investing once you have an agreement to buy it. We did all of that first. That was something of a challenge. But again, the real challenge was the fear because I was afraid. I was like, what if I lose thousands of dollars because this deal doesn't close? So really, actually, even underneath that, it's a mind game.
1: Nice. Well, is there anything that now that you know what you know, you would have done different on that deal?
0: I would have enjoyed the process more probably. (laughs) I I would have been a little less difficult to live with or I would have been a better friend to other people perhaps during the process if I'm not as stressed. And not as you know overwhelmed about what's going on. I think that's like the that's the thing for me. My brain is now a little different because of what I've gone through. Yeah. And how do you prepare
1: for a potential downturn?
0: Wow, there's a question. Almost everything we do is in affordable housing. Like the rents in this building that we just that we're working. I mean, it's like five hundred bucks. Bills paid. Like when a downturn happens, our buildings get fuller. Like <laughs> because. My understanding of the downturn is when things get tough. You know, it's the people who extended themselves a lot. You know, with big mortgages for houses they can't afford, or paying huge amounts for rent that they can't afford. My understanding is when that happens, they have to downsize. They have to scale back. So we've never had a problem filling any of our apartments. And we've been doing this since yeah a number of years. This is our first kind of downturn though, and our uh, and it's exploded. So. I'm not really anticipating a problem, but hey, we might have a big problem. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) What do
1: you predict to happen over the next 6 to 12 months in the real estate market? Oof.
0: I don't know, man. That is a great question. In the market as a whole, I think it's obviously turbulent. We we kind of have our fingers on the pulse of New York City a bit because we used to live there. So we're kind of looking at that situation and seeing how you know, property values are dropping and I think I heard a crazy stat on the on like the Grant Cardone show or whatever. And he was like, There's twenty thousand vacancies in New York right now, in apartments. So I'm like, ooh, that sounds like a big number. Is that a big number? That sounds like a big number. Crazy times. What do you it think is going to happen? Times,
1: no doubt about it. Yeah, it's crazy times, especially if you own properties in New York City. They're struggling at the moment. Mark, you know, I believe anyone that's successful in business and in uh, real estate has to have a high level of self-discipline. How have you gained such a high level of self-discipline?
0: For me, I think it's always come as a, as a byproduct of something I really wanted or something that I found really, really valuable. So I can't really claim to be a super disciplined individual, I think. When I find something I I love or I want, it motivates action and that action is about as big as my desire for the thing itself. So I think for me, it was the beginning of the real estate journey was about choosing a different lifestyle, having a different career trajectory. It's really a lot bigger than just, you know, getting 10% on my investment every year for me. So like being disciplined is kind of a byproduct for something else. Do you have a daily
1: habit that you're disciplined about uh, completing your know, every day that's helped you achieve success?
0: I'm not sure I do. I mean, uh, maybe. There might be something like Phoebe and I sit together almost every morning and just have coffee and talk. But that's not a discipline. I like to do it. <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you have to kind of get into it and be like, what, what do you mean by discipline? And is this like, are you kind of beating yourself to make it happen? Or is it something you love? It's kind of, I've become, I have lots of rhythms. But I've just stumbled across them because of passion and desire. So yeah. I don't know if that answers your question.
1: (laughs) No, that's awesome. And and I'll tell the listener that, uh, you know, I ask a lot of guests about their superpower. And one thing that Mark wrote was that he listens to his wife. So I think that's very valuable advice right there. And and my wife uh, and I also sit most mornings and and drink coffee and sit together. And that's a great time for us to catch up and talk about what's happening, you know, so that I can relate to that. Mark, what's the way you've recently improved your business that uh, we could also apply to our business?
0: Yeah. So, you know, the growth we've had scaling it so aggressively, it's like uh, learning to work with other people, learning to bring other people on and use other people in the skills that they have and the desires that they have for their own lives. So, you know, working with contractors who have a desire to improve their skills or improve their situation well, we can work with them because we need work done and they want to go ahead and do work and social media people, or we just started working with an awesome lady who's helping us with social media. So for us, it's about engaging more about now engaging with other people and seeing ways to partner so that our business can grow and theirs can too.
1: What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Ooh, number
0: one thing. Ah man, I tell you, you got these questions that are like, oh, that's so let's say luck. <laughs> Not <laughs> luck. <laughs> maybe perseverance, maybe perseverance. Just keep it on going. Finding a problem. Committing to the problem and then finding out how to solve it after I got into a position where I literally have to solve this problem because I now own this problem. So, buying properties that need work, I now own this property. If I can't find out a way to do the work, my property's horrible. So, committing to a problem hey, how about that? Some persistence and committing to issues to solve them. And Phoebe's help, right?
1: Yes. <laughs> how do you like to give back?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, we like the way we structure our business, we like to try and have that be like, in the business, like the thing itself is set up to be a blessing to anyone who's involved. So like working with contractors who want to gain skills, or like if we're looking for new professionals to work with, we won't be necessarily looking for power players to kind of lift us up, but we might be looking for people who like have a vision for something that kind of ties in There's like a meeting point. So we try and infuse every area of our business with that so that like I know there's like the idea of corporations where, you know, like the evil big corporation and then they try and massage their egos by having philanthropy on the side to try and like make it be good. Well, I'd love a business that was like was good, <laughs> like like for everyone involved. So no, we're still working on that. Like it's involves listening to people and talking to people because you have to understand if they're actually being blessed by what you do. Mm. But so we try and fuse that into our business so that our business is the thing that gives back.
1: Love that. Love that thought. Mark, uh, grateful for your time today. and just interesting. Uh, such an interesting and motivating story how you and Phoebe, you know, really partnered to make this happen and being willing to take risk, being willing to step out of the box, right? I mean, take the next steps that most people are not willing to take. And I just love how you talked about, you know, you learned how not to let your fears motivate your actions. And but you know, so you are willing to take the next step maybe before you have this just amazing plan in place, but uh, you know, to step out, Make it happen. you know, buying a 12 story tower. I just think it's pretty impressive that you all made that happen and growing from, you know, a single family to maybe a few duplexes to now a 109 unit building and even completed a 1031 exchange to do it. So, congratulations to you two. Uh, I look forward to seeing your success. Tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you.
0: Yeah, so our website for our company is levereproperties.com. Properties.com, L E V A R E, Lever You can uh, reach out that way.
1: Awesome. That's a wrap,
0: Mark. Thank
1: you very much. Thank you for having me. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate
0: Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital